first of all, guys, I just had to say, love you guys. Appreciate you guys sh- showing up again on this beautiful whatever day it is you're listening to, morning, evening, or night, and enjoying a great conversation. We apologize that this podcast has been a week delayed. Um, Tony's dog ate his homework. Um, well, not really ate his homework. Uh, ate his charging cord to his laptop. So he didn't have a computer to upload this episode. So it did take a little bit of time. And as you can tell from me recording these ads just now, we kind of got behind the eight ball. But we promise we're going to do a little bit better than we were have been doing the last few months. Uh, but enough about me talking about us. Let's talk about some wonderful sponsors that make this a possibility. Um, if you know where you love her, if you listen to the episode, you're a fan. And if you've read her book, Life After the Mistake, New Beginnings, you know that Sheila Texter has got it going on. They, She, she and her husband are pastoring in Blyville. And if on Amazon, if you have not yet gotten the book, you've heard us talk about it. Guys, let's do this. Let's get on Amazon. Look her name up. Sheila Texter. If you need to know how to spell it, you just go back like five or six episodes. Her name's right there. In fact, there's a whole episode there you can listen to if you want to know what this book is about and how can it encourage you. We've talked about it at the beginning of our last several episodes, and just as a little snippet, uh, I'll just say this. This book will encourage you that just because you've made mistakes doesn't mean it has to be the end of your story, but you can have a brand new beginning. And so I encourage anyone out there to get that book and let it encourage you today. It's kind of cold outside where we're at. We've had like nine inches of snow, which isn't very common for northeast Arkansas. But y'all, I'll say this. In the days that I've been snowed in, I haven't gotten cold in my house. And why is that? It's because of Anderson Heat and Air. We've told you guys about Nat Anderson. He works out of Jonesboro and travels throughout northeast Arkansas. If you're in this area and you're getting kind of chilly in the house or here it is about to turn spring. If, you're, if your house is a little bit stuffy by the time you're listening to this, you can give them a call today at 1-870-664-1967. Say goodbye to all those uncomfortable nights with the air and the heat just don't seem to be working right. He's going to clean you up, fix you up, and get you back going and loving your house again. New sponsors. Man, that's always exciting. A new sponsor. I, I do want to talk to you guys for a little bit about Corey Sanders. Corey Sanders, he offers a business of blessing that is balanced in the Bible with his God-first living. Have you had a business venture not sure how to move forward? Do you want to be in ministry or bless your local church financially? Or are you struggling just to, to be balanced in your business and all your other blessings. Corey Sanders is a successful businessman with 20 plus years of experience, and he offers workshops, seminars to educate believers on how to take passion and turn it into a blessing personally and eternally for the kingdom. Learn how to build a successful business and to be productive and powerful in your local assembly by living a balanced life. Corey Sanders will give you the practical tools backed by biblical principles and that have allowed him to live in blessing. It's not just inspirational talk, but a testimony of desire to be more in the kingdom and live in the overflow by building and thriving business, a fruitful ministry, and a balanced life. If you want more information, go to godfirstliving at gmail.com. Let me give you that again. That's godfirstliving, just how it sounds. That's how you spell it. Godfirstliving at gmail.com. 
He owns several businesses, and of course, with him being a new sponsor, we're going to talk about this quite a bit. And so uh, he is a licensed minister, I will tell you that, for for over 10 years with the United Pentecostal Church. And uh, I do want to talk about something else we've got going on. We do have Modest Direct sponsorship here. This is this is pretty cool. Modest Direct. Let, let me just say some words for you here. Modest, stylish, affordable clothing. If you're already intrigued, you can go to the website at Modest Direct. Again, just how that sounds, modestdirect.com, or you can follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Let me just tell you this. Again, we're going to have this sponsor for a while with this. So today, why don't I just share with you the, the owner of this business's mission, Charity Sanders. Modesty has been a mantra in our home when my girls started to become teenagers and we found them shopping for modest clothing. Uh, and it became even more important as they grew older. While raising four daughters, fashion and good sense of style has always been important at our house. If they were going to dress modest, which is not always the popular thing, I wanted them to be stylish. And my passion for finding modest clothing presented itself more difficult than I had anticipated. My girls attended public school and I feel are, are well-rounded. They, they balance Athletics, academics, community involvement, and church. I'm struggling to read today, folks. Let me get back on point here. Consequently, they required a variety of modest clothing for different events. We could not always find it at a box store clothes and they were appropriate for our comfort level. Being in the Midwest, some rural areas, I wanted to be able to offer women affordable, modest clothing. Modest Direct, through our online store, now ships to the entire United States. Truly, it is a dream come true. And again, that is the owner of Modest Direct, Charity Sanders, her mission statement. Again, I kind of struggled reading it there for a little bit, but you guys have listened to our podcast enough. You know what my strengths are and what Tony's strengths are, and uh, neither one of us are the best at reading ads. Well, this is why we do like to kind of spice them up a little bit. But, you know, we got these new, two new sponsors here. We're, we're going to know more about them as the time goes on. So we're going to go ahead and tell you about another sponsor that we have. And you're like, man, Brian, this has been like seven minutes of sponsorship. Hey, you know what? What you got to do? You're driving around at work. You, you, you might be on your 10-minute break. You get through with these ads in your 10-minute break. Whenever you're on the way home, you got a whole episode to listen to nonstop. Final sponsorship. You guys have heard us talk about the Motion Conference. It's going to be in Maryville, Tennessee. And you know what? Actually, the host of the Motion Conference are the guests in this episode. So you know what? Why don't we just let them tell you about it? Enjoy this conversation, folks. Welcome on two guests that are absolute rock stars in the apostolic movement. If anybody knows anything about apostolic mu music, they have to know about this power couple that we have on today. We are so blessed to have Chad and Fallon Erickson on with us today from Maryville, Tennessee, FAC. You guys have an absolute rock star 
of a music program, a rock star of a church. Y'all, when when Brian and I was over there, y'all made us feel like family. Guys, thank you so much for having us on. We look forward to this episode. We've been looking forward to it for a long time. Uh, I'm glad we could finally make it happen. Man, we've also been looking forward to this. And Tony and Brian, you guys are our heroes in our sight and just uh, seeing the podcast that you're putting out and, and just excited about what God is doing through your ministry, Fallon. Yeah, we are just, again, I second what Chad said. We're honored to be on here and we love what you all are doing, unifying all the voices of the apostolic movement. Yes. And uh, we're just happy to be here and happy to be a part. Oh, uh, well, thank you for those kind words. Uh, I do have to ask you, um, you know, I just told you before we got on air here that uh, we had Brother Mark Crowder on before or before this episode gets released. Y'all will hear that. Uh, but we had him on last night and I asked him a question. And I'm going to ask you all the exact same question. How is it fair that you guys have such good music? Why is that fair to everybody else? Because y'all's music is just awesome. And bro, your album is just incredible. Your solo uh, album. And I mean, every time I'm in my car and I have uh, my gospel playlist going, uh, always seems to have As For Me and My House come across or Take Me There come across. Y'all have just rock star music there. So how does it feel to be one of the best voices in the apostolic movement? (laughs) (laughs) Let me me just say this. I just sang in a wedding with Mark about, I don't know, about three or four weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, I just let him, I let him take the lead. I just kind of backed him up a little bit. Yeah. I, I said, if we're singing together, bro, you're, you're taking the lead. I'm just going to, I'm going to sing background for you. Uh, he's, he's absolutely amazing. And I, I sure don't compare anything, anything we're doing with he's, he's, he's next level. Oh yeah. Uh, next level. But it's, you know, with music, it, it's just something that, I really gonna let my wife answer this question more than I will, but it's, it's a passion. It's, yeah. it's ministry. It's just something that we push, push, push. Um, we, we never, we're never satisfied. Yeah. We had, we had a meeting today, a pastoral staff meeting, and it's just something we're just never satisfied. And, and we get mad at ourselves. Yeah. We're hard on ourselves. We, we get, we get irritated at, at ourselves at one another. It's like, you know, whatever we do, no matter what we do, we, we sit down and we're like, well, that just wasn't good enough. And I think as much of an issue as that is, we actually had this conversation earlier, as much of an issue as that is, it also requires us to always take the next step. Yeah, I, you know, one of our goals by the end of the year is to, you know, be able to have our own music and publishing company through Apostolic Collective, which I know we'll talk about in a minute. But a major passion um, of ours is to write songs that can become the God song for for our church, for our congregation. And, you know, obviously we would love it if others would would do those songs. But um, we are we're about to release a song called I See My City. And it's it is becoming our church's anthem. And a few lines on the chorus says, I see my city resurrected. I see my city filled with blessing, eyes full of faith. I speak in Jesus' name. I see my city resurrected. Mm. And we are just in a time right now of of harvest with seeing so many souls coming in. And and then, you know, with with everything that we've gone through um, during COVID and and we won't get into anything political or anything, um, 
but it's just been an anthem of faith for us. And then it also goes on to say, I see my family resurrected and uh, see my country resurrected. So we just kind of, the spirit moved and and, and, uh, Chad took us into, uh, you know, I see my country. So a goal of ours is to be able to continue to produce and, and have our own material, um, and, and songs of praise that the church can, can pull from. So, uh, we're really excited about Appstock Collective. And I'm glad you were talking about your city because, like I mentioned earlier, Brian and I were just absolutely blessed beyond measure to be able to be with you guys at uh, your church and interview your pastor, which as a rock star episode, I encourage everybody to go listen to that mm-hmm. if you haven't yet. But when whenever we were over there, <clears throat> we're driving through this small town and we're like, okay, mm-hmm. we know this is a large church. I watched this <laughs> quite a bit. There's no way, you know, we're in the right place. And then we go to your <laughs> church and I, and you know, your, your city is dependent on your church is what we've learned so far. And you said yeah. something before we got on record. Uh, I think it was you found that said that uh, <clears throat> a lot of your congregation is unchurched people. You know, that's, that's not a derogatory thing to say at all. I, I pray yeah. unchurched peoples into every every pew in the church. I mean, that means you're having yeah. revival. I mean, so what yes. does it? Yes. What does what does your church and what does your pastor and what does your ministry staff do to ensure that you always have those unchurched people in your in your building? Um, you know, we're really working so hard right now in small groups. That that's really my passion and my wife's passion. Um, it, it's what I. Of course, we both work full-time for the church and it's what I'm really focusing on. I, I just feel like the grassroots, um, the grassroots soul winning and, and church growth is going to be through people connecting with people. We call them connect groups. And I, I began to study um, the way Jesus, and I think he would probably be a good one to study when you're looking at, at, at outreach and soul winning, you know, <laughs> um, but I began to, to, to study how he would win souls and how he would disciple people. He was the, he was the, the first obviously disciple maker. And that's, that's kind of our whole idea is if we can get our disciples here at the church to be disciple makers, that that's our whole key right now. It's our kind of our vision for this year. Um, Began to to watch how Jesus through the gospels would merge his two universes together. Um, He was really good. Of course, the, the religious leaders, they hated it, uh, couldn't stand the fact that he would talk to publicans and sinners, that he would eat dinner with them, and uh, that he would even acknowledge them, obviously. But but he was so good at, at keeping his disciples. He, he, had, he had at least, we know, 12 called disciples. And then, of course, the Bible talks about many, many other disciples he had. Um, but he kept those 12 disciples, and he was always merging them, whether, whether he was sitting down at a Pharisee's house and, and having dinner he made sure his disciples were there. Um, he kind of had his own small group, if you will. Um, and just, I began to study from story to story in the new Testament, how Jesus always was making sure that people that were unchurched were being influenced by people that were church. He was always adding value to people's lives. He was, he was what, whatever it was, however he could help a person. Um, obviously we know whether it's healing somebody, um, raising somebody from the dead, <laughs> whatever he was doing, he was adding value to people's lives and he was merging his universes of unbelievers and believers together in a way 
Um, I read the other day, for instance, and this is where I really have a passion for, for connect groups. Jesus was asked more than 370 questions in the gospels. Okay. 370 questions. He only answered eight of those questions directly. And he, instead he asked 182 questions in return, which makes me think as awesome as a preacher, as I'm sure Jesus was, he was much more of a conversationalist. He loved to get people talking and get people answering their own questions. And I think that's where, when we talk about the unchurched and our pews, we're, we're getting our, our, our church family to, to recognize. I, um, one of my leaders, uh, one of my care group leaders had his next door neighbors in church Sunday morning. Yeah. Just moved here from California six months ago. They'd never been to Apostolic Church. Um, I think they went to Bethel, maybe. Uh, yeah. Silicon Valley. They're they, from Silicon Valley. Um, and it just, the whole idea of, hey, bring your neighbor. We're going to get into conversations and let them ask questions that instead of us just answering questions, we can bring them the word of God and ask them questions in return. It, it's just my whole, my mind, my whole paradigm has shifted on the idea of soul winning now. It's, it's not just... Um, getting people to church, but now it's let's get them connected with other people. Let's get our unbelieving friends connected with our believing friends. And then that's just what the church looks like. It looks like a bunch of people out there that you can't, you know, obviously some of them you can definitely tell are, are from the apostolic faith and the people sitting next to them hopefully don't look like they're from the apostolic faith. Mm -hmm. That is, that is something that uh, is almost lost today. Uh, you know, uh, the church that my dad was pastoring is currently available. Um, they're interviewing people and bringing people in to try out. And uh, I was speaking to my grandma who still attends there today. Uh, we were talking about it today, uh, you know, about some of the things that they've got going on. And um, she was just telling me about all these different people that were wanting to come try out and, you know, thank God mm. for that. But I also think that we need to be, have a, a mindset. She was worried about one person because they're coming out of a mega church. And she's like, well, you know, okay. this is a, t this is a town of, you know, 1200 people, you know, this isn't a mega church, you know, we don't know what this person <laughs> will expect. And I told my grandma, I say, grandma, you know, that's, would do you want somebody to have a small church mentality or would you rather have somebody that's got a vision and a passion? And, you know, I think yeah. that right. we, a lot of us have, have lost that, that passion and that vision to actually see the lost being saved. Yeah. It's great whenever we have a visitor, but that visitor better not sit in my seat or that visitor yeah, better not yeah. be taking my parking spot, yeah. you know, but I, I, yeah. I'm so thankful for these unchurched people that stir these people that's been in our churches, including myself, <laughs> you know, for so long thinking, you know, I, I hope that this doesn't freak them out or, you know, this apostolic worship that we're having, mm -hmm, you know, y'all yeah. have yeah. The, the best, you y'all always have some of the best churches and uh, services. You know, I watch a lot of y'all service online because mm -hmm. um, we don't have Sunday evening services. We have back to back services at our church and we're usually out by 1231 o'clock. So we're able to church hop on Sunday nights is what I call it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we go around to everybody's Facebook lives and we watch what's going on. And, you know, it's, it's, it's stuff that I, I, you know, we have great church services where we go, but it's stuff like, I, I want to be past the mentality of, I hope that these visitors don't get freaked out about being here. 
because of the how yes. crazy yeah. some these that are are yeah. 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 because oh, yeah. you yeah. know if, if that crazy person's feeling God, I have no doubt that person that's unchurched feels God. You know, and I, I wish sure. we could get I wish we could get past that mentality. But you guys, yeah. you guys are are working in these different ministries together. Tell us about some of those ministries that you guys are doing as a couple. Yeah, well, I kind of had briefly mentioned Apostolic Collective. And so, um, which, you know, you can get on Facebook, Apostolic Collective and Instagram. Our handle is just simply Apostolic Collective. So what Apostolic Collective is, it's a community of apostolic singers, musicians and songwriters from around the world collaborating under the name Apostolic Collective. The goal of Apostolic Collective is to unify and strengthen the voice of the apostolic church, uh, much like what your podcast is doing, but this is through music, through songs of worship and songs that proclaim the exactness of salvation. And I really feel like that's key, that our songs will proclaim the exactness of salvation, that when people hear our songs, they are going to know the direct plan of, of how to be saved. Um, because let me interject right here. Because we're finding out more and more, and, and Fallon's been doing some research yeah. on, and I, I don't, I'm not going to mention the names of these different um, groups, so to yeah. speak. But there, there's a lot of groups that we're singing their songs, and they've got some really funky doctrines. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, what was that one that that you had heard uh, about the graves? What was yeah, that? Yeah, different things like grave soaking and just just different yeah. things that we've got to be aware of the spirit of the people who is are writing the songs, writing the songs. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just the need, the bottom line is, you know, a big question we get asked is about our calling, you know, sister Erickson, well, how do you know what your calling is? And, you know, tell me how, you know, bottom line is the need is the call. That's right. And our, our churches need songs that proclaim the truth That's right. and that lead the congregation here, here is the bottom line into times of spiritual warfare, we've got to ask ourselves the songs and the diet that we are feeding our congregation through music. Is it leading them to that place of deep spiritual warfare? Because the whole purpose of music is to prepare the hearts for the word, to open the hearts of the people, because people, they come onto our church property with walls built up. And I pray if they have four or five walls built up, I pray that the fit team, our, our usher, our parking staff, our greeting staff, the people of the church that are undercover greeters, um, that they can knock down two or three walls. And then I pray that the music and the team is anointed, you know, not anointed to play an instrument or to sing, but anointed to reach the lost. That's just simply what music is all about is to reach those who are lost and that by the time these songs can open the hearts of the people. So when the word is preached, it will be received right. with joy and with gladness. So music, music is a powerful platform um, that I really feel like will flow into places that the preached word of God would not be welcomed. So I really believe, and I feel it happening in the, in the apostolic movement that God is raising up 
um, a generation of apostolic singers and songwriters that are writing songs of truth. I mean, anytime you want to memorize something, the first thing a good teacher does is they put it to the tune of a song, you know? And so Mm -hmm. if we're wanting our congregation to get the pure word of God in their hearts, I believe that music is a powerful key to that. And I believe this music that, that people that don't have full truth yet, um, I believe they can hear these songs and and, and know because it's so music is so powerful. They can be drawn to know that there is more that God has for them. And I believe music is going to have a big part of that. And this is a ministry that me and Chad, uh, we work together on and we're passionate about. We have an unbelievable team um, here at FAC that uh, works with Apostolic Collective. And we're just we're excited yeah, to see what God has you know, for it this year. Really, the quarantine and COVID nineteen yeah. um, kind of set us up. We had so probably what about maybe three years ago, two or three years ago. Yeah, um, we kind of come up with the idea. We kind of come up with the name. Uh, started writing songs under, I guess you call the label. Yeah. Um, but it was really uh, when quarantine hit, and we were forced. Of course, uh, church doors are closed. Um, you know, especially in March when it all went down and we didn't know, you know, there's a, you know, we didn't know we, are we shut down for a week or we shut down for, for three weeks. You know, we didn't know it, a month. We didn't know. So, uh, we kind of, um, I don't want to say ignorantly, we just thought, well, you know, if we're shut down for a week, let's just have a, a daily, uh, we're going to, we're going to go live every night, you know? And, and so we push that out to our church, you know, you know, don't fear, you know, I know the, door, the church doors are closed, but we're going to have, bring your families together. We're going to have a nightly uh, webcast and and not realizing that it was going to go on for mm-hmm. how long ago it was almost a month. Wasn't it yeah. something like that? Mm-hmm. And, and so every day we had songwriters in the studio. Um, we, we built the studio up. We, we, we built a, a, a video studio. We built a platform, a stage and all kinds of all the lighting in and all the, all the recording technology. in. we built vocal booths and uh, we got a drum isolated booth and, uh, put a, put a, a, a living room set in there for writing in a, in a area with tables, we bring yeah. our laptops and, you know, so we, we turn, I guess COVID kind of gave us an yeah. opportunity that we would not have had unless COVID came because yeah. we've been working at the school or working at the church. Um, but it really created this opportunity for us to not only write songs, but we recorded a song every day, Yeah. whether it was a original or whether it was uh, something we covered we re, we did stuff differently, rewrote stuff, uh, rearranged stuff. And is that really where you guys did, got your? Is that where you guys got your pre-service uh, video from? Yes, yes, yes. yeah. So all that that that, we, that is a legit setup. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it all it all happened. I mean, you know, COVID nineteen and 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 twenty twenty has been such a bad word. But honestly, if it was not for that. Applesaw Collective, it, it probably would have took us probably four or five years yeah. to really and, get yeah. to where we are now with the collective. The need is the call. Yeah. And yeah. so anybody that's listening, yeah. if you wonder what is your next step, what what does your church need? Mm, and and, and need. walk through those doors because like this year, God's absolutely blown our mind. And we were able to get that studio off the ground. And then one of the first artists that that came through was James Wilson. Yeah. I was like, well, that's pretty good for the first outside. You know, <laughs> yeah. we were so honored to have him in the studio and the Frenches have been there and, you know, um, it, it's just been, yeah, it's yeah. absolutely blown our mind this, this Saturday night, uh, we're recording two new songs 
um, one called See My City that mm-hmm. we're super excited about. And then another that um, uh, Zach Hammond and Lauren Hammond wrote called Let Him Speak. And it is just a yeah, powerful song about he that hath an ear, let him hear the spirit wants to speak. So I feel like this song is is going to mean so much to the to the apostolic movement. And again, I believe that music can can go beyond. Uh, we know that it can go beyond organizational lines. Sure. But what I want to see is it go beyond denominational lines to lead people to the truth. And I believe that, you know, I believe that the enemy for far too long has tried to divide the music team from the preaching. Like, right. okay, we come in and we do our music and the preacher and we might be out in the lobby, you know, doing whatever. But I believe if the music team, as soon as they get done with the music, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, they need to rush back in with their Bible and their notepad and their pen and be expecting God to give them a song. More, I'm telling you, the majority of the songs that, I, that I've written has been inspired by the preached word of God. Sure. Heartbeat, that song came straight from Missions is the Heartbeat of God. I've, I've heard my dad say that. Um, I, I got the thought on um, a lot of people sing testify. I've heard several churches do that. My past erased, my name you changed, let's testify. That comes from the story of, of my uncle that just got released from prison. Um, and just thinking about, I was thinking about our, our family's past and how he erased it. And he gave us a new name. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, so it's just like if the music team and the word, if we will come together in unity, God is going to do just unprecedented things in our churches and giving us songs that will really speak to our congregations. You know, it's kind of the difference between going and getting a Hallmark card or writing a letter you know, to your, yeah, to your loved one. So it's just like, I think God is longing, longing for us to write these songs. And, and I believe God's going to bless it if it's done for the right motive. Yeah. And, and doors begin to open when it's the right motive. Yeah, we yeah. found and I were speaking at a conference in a, in a music session. Yeah. And we were actually talking about Appstock Collective and just talking about our burden for Appstock Collective and, and what the purpose was. And afterwards, we had this this guy come up to us. I think he's from Michigan. Never met him before. Didn't know who he was. Um, and he just says, hey, listen, I have got a domain name that I want to give to you for the Apostolic Collective. Yeah. And I, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm tech savvy, but, you know, I, I'm not into domain names. Don't really even understand that I had to do some research to find out what he did for us. Um, but he gave us the domain name apostolicmusic.com and of course you guys are techies you you know what that means but um i had a research and he that's told a pretty, me he said, that's I a pretty rare oh <laughs> yes. yes he said i have been offered i've been offered thousands and thousands he said i've had bible colleges our, our, our upci bible college i've had deans of music contact me and he said just about beg me to sell them that domain name because they know i have it he said i've had it for 20 years he said 20 years ago, I snatched up that domain name and I've never used it. I've just kept it. And he said, I want to give that. I want to donate that domain name to you. So even right there, it's yeah. just kind of a, a confirmation from heaven, kind of like, hey, you know, here's a prime sought after domain name. You know, here, here's a here's a time of quarantine. You know, I'm giving you time to work this out, to build the studio. You know, it's it just been a God thing. It's been a God thing. It's super exciting um, 
that you guys are doing this and unifying with other apostolic artists. Cause as you said, it's, it's important. Uh, there, there's a lot of what you guys have just said, just that last little bit that's just firing off things to me. That's, that's so important. Uh, like you said, it's, you know, it, we've sung the songs from every group under the sun. And like you mm-hmm. said, sometimes it has, out and out bad theology and just some things that it's just like dumb yeah. theology. It's just yes. like, why yes. is that? Why yes. are we even singing? it? Like, like I, this one is, and, and you guys probably might sing it all the time. I, I, I know, honestly, our church does, but every time I hear this <laughs> song, I, there's a, there, there's one line in, in the song, uh, the great I am. But every time I hear it, I just kind of shake my head. It's, it's a fairly harmless line. It's the line that says that heaven is real and death is a lie. And I know that, the meaning of that is, you know, you know, that, that death is defeated when sure. by the great, sure, yeah. I'm for that, but death is not a lie. It's actually a reality that unfortunately many people yeah. are going to face based on mm. the decisions uh, of not f- surrendering unto That's the true. great. I am. So That's true. true. And, and the reason why I think that line to me, it gets on my nerves is it feels <laughs> like there is a cultural shift that has happened where let's minimize the reality of hell, minimize mm-hmm. the reality yeah. of, of the, the second death. And, and, and the reason why it's important is because music is always influential in culture. In yeah. the 60s, you had the Beatles, you had Janis Joplin, Jimi oh, Hendrix, mm-hmm. and the hippie movement. Yeah, The music was influential in the culture, making Absolutely. the hippie movement. Into, into the 80s, you had heavy metal. And the influence there was the, the, the its own rebellion. And even until today, I mean, you see music impacts certain cultures with, you know, the more popular forms of music that is today, which was, you know, it's probably rap music right now. It's probably the most popular secular music. But of course, it's going to vary based on where you're at. If you're in Texas, you're probably wearing a cowboy hat yeah. and you listen <laughs> to country Absolutely. music. Yes, sir. It, it influences your culture. And so within our church, yeah, we need to have a music that fosters apostolic culture. Yes, because yes. and and I understand there's shifts happen, and sure. I'm not here to criticize what any anyone does, but there is a move into more of the uh, a contemporary style of of worship services. Right, and I understand a lot of it is with where we're at in today's society. I'm I'm not. Right. One of these guys that says, well, just because we've always worn suits and ties, we need to still wear suits and ties, though I greatly respect it. But at the same time, I wonder how much of the move away from the suit and tie is because the nominal culture has an yeah. right. apostolic right. culture. Yeah. And, and right. I think that we, we need to be careful that we don't lose the balance. And so I want to ask you guys, how do we stay balanced? How do we stay rooted? And and how and, and what are your thoughts about the importance of music and how it influences individuals? And uh, of course, you can take this to anywhere you want to go with this question. But uh, people that are listening to uh, secular music, how can that influence them? Are you guys totally anti-secular music? Do you think you can have some, just you need to keep it balanced? What are your recommendations when it comes to how music can and should influence you? Uh, I'm sure we'll both want to want to uh, talk and, and about this this question. Um, you know, uh, we are, I, I was raised, um, I was raised in the UPC home, um, just very similar to LJC. Um, 
we uh, secular music was taboo. We, I mean, it was, you don't listen to it. You don't, uh, you're not around it. I think, I think the only secular music, if I, if I know songs from the, from the early nineties, late eighties, early nineties, it's only because I rode the school bus. Uh-oh. Uh, and, and, and that's what school buses got radios on them. And, and they would, they would blare whatever the, whatever the latest, you know, pop music was at the time, you know? And, and if, if I knew it's only because I had about a 45 minute bus ride, to school and, and from school. So, yeah. Um, I don't listen, I don't listen to a, a very much country music at all. And, and yet listen, I will be somewhere and there'll be a country song from the late nineties, early two thousands that will come on. Yeah. And she's like, how do you know literally every word? <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, because that that, my school bus, that's the only thing we listen to. I read this on the way to <laughs> yeah. school is the country music station. <laughs> Yeah, hey, Chad, tell everybody how old you are and tell us what those pop songs were at that time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh Uh-oh. Was it Ice Ice Baby? Was it, uh, I don't know know anything about Tunnel of Love or or Bruce Springsteen or anybody. I don't know anything about that stuff. I don't know anything about that. I don't know who Chicago Chicago is or any of their their hits. (laughs) Um, Hey, and, and, and you know, and you know, some of those artists sang at this last inauguration. And I don't think the president knew who they were either. We were in with Tony, we were in wings to go after church Wednesday night. And, uh, and, and uh, there was a video of Joe Biden. I guess he was holding the baby and he was listening. I think it was Katy Perry singing. And I was telling everybody, I was like, you know, he's leaning over to his wife. I was like, now, who's that again? She? <laughs> oh my word. And well, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know that music either, but anyway, you guys, you're my inspiration. Keep going. you know so so you know we didn't we just didn't it was it was taboo we didn't listen to it i think and this is man not even really part of the question but it kind of fits but i think through disney um that's where secular music is getting into our homes homes, you know because you'll watch just a uh a disney um animated film that is just nothing not one bad word not one i mean and you're watching it going mm-hmm. this is the cutest film this is perfect for our kids and and then what you don't realize is that child has learned the words to a secular song that's playing on the secular music station that we would never let them listen to but yeah. they but they know i mean my daughters you know they'll sing a song i'll be like hey hey where did y'all, how do you know the words of that song? Yeah. And they're like, well, it's on this movie or it's on that movie, you know? And so that's kind of the infiltration I feel right now is. Yeah. yeah and, and, and I feel and that and we have to, yeah, we have to take, we have to take notice of that. And that's, that's a growing concern because it used to be, oh, they go, they go out and get a CD. Like when I was growing up, we would yeah. buy CDs and obviously we never had secular music in our home. And I, I go back to when me and Chad were trying to figure out what songs we were going to do at our wedding. And we oh, only we knew, we only, I'm like, uh, draw me close to you, worship <laughs> song, Lord, you are good. <laughs> um, you know, so. I we mean, didn't have a clue. What, we had to go by wedding, like CD, comp, uh, you know, the compilations. It's like, we didn't yeah. have a clue. What the- yeah. So we were both raised with, you know, um, only Christian music. And, and I, I think that's a pretty good uh, rule of thumb to go by because, music is is drives your passion and you know it's just like our young people of today they don't need any more help driving those uh you know passions they need it toward god so to me the more 
that we can create and, and, and create that atmosphere. Um, all three of our girls, I'm, I am so happy to say they're all songwriters and, um, actually awesome. all three have gotten awards at competitions and, and different things. And, and that's just what we're really pushing them towards is to get them thinking, um, you know, they bring their journals. We've got journals and Bibles all over our minivan, all in our office. And they, they're starting to write out ideas for songs and it's childlike faith. And it's a beautiful thing. So I, I feel like, you know, some people may call it old school saying no secular music, but I think that to keep the balance in the church, we have to go back and look at what brought us to where we're at. Um, last night we had a staff meeting at the church, um, and uh, all the campuses came together. So it was overwhelming. There was like almost 300 people there for staff meeting. So it was all the choirs, all the campuses. And, you know, uh, Pastor Carpenter was saying, you know, casual to me sounds like casualties, <laughs> you know. So we start mm -hmm. dressing casual and, and conducting ourselves in a casual manner. We might have some casualties and then our worship becomes casual. Mm -hmm. So I think that, wow. you know, yeah. I, I was so overwhelmed. I've just been having these flashbacks to when I was five and six years old. And the one thing, my mom and dad are like amazing. They have an amazing testimony. My mom's one that you need to bring on the podcast, Penny Carpenter. She is a It's powerhouse. a penny worth a million dollars. Yes, yeah, a million dollar penny. <laughs> she is amazing. Yes, and, she is. you know, I go back to the Voice Vision values of our church. And now the burden of that is really fallen on me and Chad to continue that we have always, since I was a little girl, we have church. We consistently have church. We have always went to church. Every time the doors are open, we have prayer before service so that every service and Chad was telling the staff last night, we don't have any unimportant services. No. Our music team, our, our pastoral team, we study just as hard for one service that we do another because to that guest that comes that service, whether it's a Wednesday night that is the most important service to them. And so going back, I've been on a journey of going back and seeing, okay, what, you know, with all the bells and whistles that the church can have, the coffee shops, the studios, the online webcasts and everything, those are all wonderful, but that's not what's driving the church. No, what's driving us is what got us here. And that is prayer and living a balanced, wholesome lifestyle. If me not listen to secular music as a child, if that got me to where I'm at, that's what is going to give, get our kids to where they need to be in God. And I, you know, I go back to, to whom much is given, much is required. And as these generations go on in the apostolic church, we should be getting stronger. I, I expect our girls to do more than we ever dreamed of get, yeah. doing because they've been given so much more. Um, it just, it's, it's overwhelming to me. And so we've been really, you know, I love the new songs. I, I want to write new music. I want to do this, but right now with the choir, we're really, we're, we're recovering from COVID. And so our, one of our main goals for this year is to make them understand the importance and the power of being in the prayer room before church. Yeah. We tell yeah. them, don't come up on this platform unless you've been to that prayer room. Yeah, and so we really, um, we really believe that, you know, uh, a lot of people talk about the old paths, but I think they're beautiful. And if we will do that, plus with what God has given us, I believe we'll see unprecedented revival. Yeah. yeah, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of neutral ground. I know we sometimes think, well, you know, it, it, this is neutral ground, but uh, yeah. just about everything out there has some sort of an agenda. 
I sure. mean, we we can we can say, well, you know, Disney is is wholesome, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's uh, it's greatly influenced by yeah. secular culture oh, and, and yeah. this new world. Yeah. And you can and you can see just the trend, uh, if, if just in Disney, in yeah. in their existence, like early Absolutely. on, like the the movie Pinocchio had great values in, in the movie Pinocchio, and and like I think Dr. Jordan Peterson, I've watched some of his videos where he wrote down that movie and it has a great lesson behind it and there's a song in it where Jiminy Cricket who is the uh the stand-in for the conscience of Pinocchio and isn't by mistake that his initials are JC because it's to mm. uh be a symbol of the voice of Jesus Christ in your life really that's, and, wow. that's interesting. And, and and Jiminy Cricket in in the in it is talking about uh, the importance of values before they sing a song and Pinocchio's response to Jiminy Cricket is uh, he asked him, "What's what does he want to do? What does he want to be?" And Pinocchio's answer is, "I want to do what's right." And and in that is a great message. In that, one of the things that makes you a real person, which is what Pinocchio's goal is, is to do the right thing, and and not to do the wrong thing. Well, fast forward to 2012, the movie Frozen, the most popular song in that movie, mm-hmm. "Let It Go." One of the lines in it is. Um, uh, something uh, it's like conceal don't feel no rules for me i'm free yes yeah is is that something we want our children to be impacted wow. with is no is right. no rules for me wow. i'm wow. free when i have no rules and wow. so just yeah. in the trend in disney where in the 30s there was a right and wrong and the lesson behind their movies was do the right thing in 2012 and until today it's there are no rules. You do wow. whatever you want to do, and whenever yeah, be you're you. living by societal yeah. boundaries that mm. the church has imposed, then you're actually free to be who you really are. Which is mm. again one of the controversies of that movie is is it a stand-in movie about homosexual lifestyle? You can yeah. judge what you want to judge, but either way, the message of the movie is when you break free of what other people think about you uh, and you start living with no rules and you just do what you mm. want to do. Yeah. Isn't there a book in the Bible that says, and every man did what was right in his own eyes? Yes. Oh, Judges. Look at, yeah. Yeah. That's the book of Judges, Judges. Yeah, where they're constantly yeah. in captivity and they're gang raping people to death and cutting yeah. people's bodies apart and constantly yeah. in war. Is that what we want society to be? Or do we want to teach people there is such a thing as right and there is such a thing as wrong? Right. Absolutely. Right. right. So good. I That's believe so that, Brother Brian. And I just... A dad said it last night at the staff meeting, you know, the church needs a revival of oneness. And, you know, we automatically think doctrine. Yeah, pastor, we believe there's one God, but a oneness of beliefs in unity that that the way mm-hmm. we teach our family is the way that you teach your family and that we're all on the same page. There is a right. Yep. There is a wrong. So I've been on this journey. I, I have just been taken back. And even in my songwriting. Uh, my story on the bridge, it says, and when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, well, I took that from, I remember as a little girl standing by that grand piano and the lady that used to lead worship, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. And so it's during these times that we go back to those early formative years, and, and it really influences um, a lot of our writings. So I, I really believe that if the church can get back to um, a oneness, the, the same belief system, uh, we're going to see great things happen because it's not just 
that the Erickson household believes this and tells our girls what's powerful is when the next pew's over, they feel the same way and we all bind together um, in the unity of the faith. So um, I love the old paths. And if they were good enough for uh, my parents and for us, I believe they're good enough for our kids. Well, I'm so glad that you sort of uh, talked about. Go ahead, Tony. I'm sorry. Oh, you're fine. I'm just, I'm so glad that you, you talked about unifying unity because that's where I want to go next. But before I shift gears, Brian, go ahead and say what you were going to say, because I'm about to change the topic a little bit. Uh, I was just going to say that this is one of the things we talked about last night with Mark Crowder, uh, especially at the end of that episode, in case you guys haven't seen, you can see what his answer is. I asked about, um, he put it in a better words than which I asked it. It's, he, he brought up, you know, competition, how he's like, he can't, he's always been competitive. And, and I think, and I agree with you and I obviously agree with your dad's message that we need to lay this competitive attitude aside and we need to, for mm-hmm. the betterment of the body and the unity of the faith, um, yeah. make room for one another's talents and abilities and support one another. And, and that's yes. what I like about the idea of the Apostolic Collective is it's not just mm-hmm. FAC from what, what right. I mean. yeah. it's, it's a, it's a team effort in that there's other people out there and, and it isn't just you making a name for yourselves. It's right. You guys are building the kingdom of God and influencing with others. Right. Yeah. That's and, really, and Brian, I, that's, that's what a passion is of, of Absol Collective. And so I, I want to ask the question. So you guys are definitely as a married couple in ministry, um, united and unified together with passion and with burden and that's very evident to hear and to see whenever you guys watch, whenever people watch y'all services on, online or in person, what can you talk a little bit about the importance? Now, this is going to be derived more towards our younger listeners here, or it could be towards people that are, are may still be single or something like that. But can you talk about the importance of being married with somebody who is unified with you in ministry? Um. I'll start this off. I, I, you know, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like sharing the same passion, you know, your, your whole life um, found in myself, you know, though I've been uh, February 1st, uh, this coming February 1st here in a week or so. Um, I've, I've been in Maryville for 22 years. Um, I was hired on as a youth pastor here. Um, didn't know, anything about Maryville had never, I don't, I, I might've met the Carpenters one time uh, of all things in Disney world. I think I was, I think at a conference and we were at Disney world for the day and I was with a pastor and they introduced me. Uh, I think we ran into him at, at magic kingdom, I think. Um, but barely, you know, it was just one of those, you know, I met probably a thousand people that week, you know, and, um, came here, um, tried out for youth pastorate, um, uh, became youth pastor, um, February 1st was, was my first uh, day on the job, you might say. And, you know, as a single man, graduated from Indian Bible College and just looking um, for what my future would hold, obviously, you know, as any young man or in my early 20s, just kind of trying to figure out who I am and, uh, you know, what's my calling. And Fallon's kind of talked about that back. Of course, back then, you know, a calling was whatever, you know, God would you know, form clouds in the sky and you look in the clouds and see what your calling was, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, Oh, Oh, I'm, you know, it's this preacher, you know, it's this singer says, you know, whatever. And that was kind of our, our, our thought process back then was kind of like, you had to wait and, you know, you just had to, you had to be in a holding pattern until God told you what your calling was, you know? 
Um, and so that was still our mindset back then. So I was just kind of, you know, I'm, I'm the youth pastor and I love, you know, I love young people, love to minister and love to, you know, help people out and just marrying the right person, um, just takes all those. There's so many questions that, that, that you're, that when you marry that right person, they come obviously complete you in, in the marriage life, but they complete you or ought to complete you in your ministry too. Right. Um, you know, and that's why if I'm, if I'm speaking to a single young person that's in their teens, late teens, early twenties, uh, mid twenties, what, whatever age you are, um, make sure you find that person um, that is not going to send you into confusion for the rest of your life. And, and every door that you, that, that, that you feel is going to open that, that person kind of bars that door, but Marion Fallon, every, everything that I felt called into and every need that I saw that I felt was my calling. It was awesome because all of a sudden it was her calling too. And, and our passions kind of also married and anything she was wanting to work on. I wanted to work on anything I was wanting to work on. She was wanting to work on It's it's kind of like how, you know, when you marry somebody, you start going to the same restaurants and you start enjoying the same kinds of foods, you know, just over time, you know, you asked me and Fallon, we love Thai food. Well, I don't know if we love Thai food before we got married or I might've loved it. She might not have, but, but it's just like when you are with somebody and your passion are the same, you start seeing the same way and you start loving the same things and you, your burden is for the same things. Right. right. Uh, and Fallon, I mean, our, our just, it wasn't just because when I met you, you're playing the piano and I was right. singing. Yeah. I mean, there was so much more than just, yeah, just yeah. our music love for music right right and I think you know I had a young lady ask me this the other day she said how, sister Erickson how do you know he's the one how do I how? I said there are no questions no you no longer ask that question yeah. it could be wrong guy or wrong time but it was like when I met Chad there was never another question and and you know a little bit later that young lady came back and she said you're so right on that. You, you stop asking the question, is he the one? And one of the first things that me and Chad, we talk with couples about, um, in marriage count, premarital counseling. And one of the biggest questions I ask them, we ask is what are your kingdom goals? Yeah. What, what do you see each other together? Yeah. It, Cause it's just like, you know, this is more than just, you know, getting an apartment and, and living under the same roof, you know, you've got to make sure that you're on the same page spiritually, mm. you know, and what do you see yourself doing together in, in the kingdom? And, um, you know, that question definitely brings out a lot, but to any young person that's listening, if you will follow the simple principle that just walk into the doors where you're needed and that's basically what me and Chad did. This church needed a youth pastor. They needed a long guy. They needed somebody that could paint, somebody that could work in the Christian yep. school. And I, I remember my dad interviewing Chad because my dad had interviewed a few other guys. And they, they sat down and they said, well, I only do this. And I'm only going to preach to youth. And I don't do the Christian school thing. And they were there for a day and gone. But he said, when Chad Erickson, my dad started asking him, Will you, will you mow the lawn? Will you do this? And, and, and Chad just stopped him. He said, Pastor Carpenter, I'll do whatever is needed to make this church successful. And my dad walked out of there. He said, that's all I ever needed to hear. And, and, and that really won, you know, won my heart over. And then just whatever FAC needed. And, and that could be different every day. I don't care how far in ministry you get. Uh, we have almost 60 full-time and part-time employees. 
um, at the church that work there every day. And, you know, there are some days that, that we have to get outside of our box of what we typically do in pastoring a church. And I think if we can all always cultivate that spirit of whatever's needed and to that young person that's listening, you will be working in the kingdom of God and it will happen. You will be unified with somebody of like passion. Yeah. And, and also Chad strikingly good looks helps, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yes, amen. That voice. Listen to this. So I grew up, I had, which this is back in the CD players and I was real high tech. Mom and dad got me for Christmas. The one that you could put three CDs in and then you had the the remote that you could control from the bed, you Mm. know? So I had on, you know, where it switched out, Carmen. Okay. Y'all, I was a little edgy and Stephen Curtis Chapman. (laughs) Yes. And Michael English. Oh, that's my man. And yeah. So (laughs) when I heard Chad Erickson sing for the first time, I was like, yeah, that's him. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my word. That is so funny. I tuned you out as soon as you said Carmen. I gotta tell y'all a funny story I was actually telling my sister about it yesterday so I was like the biggest Carmen fan and my dad was not impressed at all okay and <laughs> mom was like Kenny you know you got a letter he is Christian but you know he was riding that edge you know all during the 90s of whether or not we should listen to him or not well I had a picture of him in my room a concert I went to I was probably eight or nine years old and I had that picture and I had just went the night before and I come back home from school the next day and Carmen in one of the sequences had worn black leather shorts. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> and when I come home. You had a poster, right? I had a poster. My mom had cut his legs out of that. <laughs> <laughs> get them, get them brown sprayed, get them brown sprayed legs off that. That's awesome. <laughs> she said that was the line Fallon, Fallon Carpenter at the time. <laughs> my word, that is so funny. Oh, oh Carl. Anyway. Oh, that is so funny. So I got I got a lighter question here. So I I just like I told Brother Crowder last night, I like to nerd out on interviews like this because music is right up my alley. Uh I, I'm yeah, I play music at my church. Uh, I play music for our for the Arkansas district. And you know, I just I love music. Um uh, and don't try to get a job or something, Tony. This ain't a job interview. Go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, don't tell him I told you this, but does Nolan understand how good of a drummer he is? <laughs> yeah. Don't tell him. Oh, he, does, he's, he, he's he does know yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. That no, is he, so he, does, he wears it. He wears it very well. I mean, yeah. uh, he's probably one of the most humble musicians. I mean, he honestly, really he is. He is yeah. and, and looking at him, he's very confident, but it's so funny because he, uh, he never, I mean, doesn't want to talk about drums. I mean, he, I mean, he you know, doesn't. he doesn't, he's, 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 it's so funny with him, but I, I do my, my probably one of my only claims to fame is that I was his first drum teacher. You sure were. Uh-oh. I taught that boy Uh-oh. how to, I taught that boy how to, <laughs> how to, how to get his basic beat going. And I'll tell everybody, I tell everybody that I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I taught him how to play drums. Oh, man. Yeah. It, it he makes has about me, five makes, lessons, though. He's better than me, and so I let him take over. <laughs> hey, have y'all? Man, it makes me so envious. I have no talents. <laughs> <laughs> There's earlier so videos of, of Nolan on YouTube. So, I mean, if you go back to what, 
12, 12, 15 years ago, right? Yeah, it'd be 15 or so years ago. He's on, probably, what, seven or eight, maybe? Yeah, yeah, when he first started playing, y'all got to go back and watch those. It was right when Say So came out, and he would wear, like, these white gloves oh when God. he played. Yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious. I mean, he's like he's itty bitty, tiny behind those drums. Matter of fact, we had like we had to get him like in a weight program because he was so puny. I mean, he's like an eight or nine year old. Like he he didn't have enough muscle to keep up with. Like by the end of the service, like all of our songs were like way slow. They were slowing down. You know? he couldn't keep up with us. He's just exhausted. Yeah, he, now you see, I'm yeah, the exact oh, yeah, opposite. I'm the exact opposite. Yeah. I'm so heavy, I get exhausted by that fourth or fifth song. Maybe Tony will come out of the drum booth and be like, look at the calluses on my hands. And <laughs> Yeah, I'm just dripping with sweat. You know, it's so funny. <laughs> I, I, so I do want to ask uh, a, one more question for me. Brian may have a couple more or whatever. Um, but before we wrap up, I do want to talk about something that uh, happened at y'all's church that went viral. And that was your pastor's sermon on hell. Uh, yeah. Talk about, you know, I saw you chat on the uh, video of uh, that, that went viral of all of the ministry staff sitting on the platform with tears just strolling down their eyes yeah. or their, oh, yeah. their cheeks. And uh, just the response that he got out of a sermon like that. Uh, what did a sermon like that do for your church? Mm, I, I mean, it, you know, obviously, and I think that because of the, the, the video going viral, it, it's, it's apparent that hell is not preached on enough, you know, yeah. and yes. what the cool thing was, and, and what doesn't get the traction is that that morning yeah. he had preached about heaven, a place called heaven, a place called heaven. Okay. Yeah. So we had already kind of been through the whatever I got to do, I want my, my, my people, my, my kids, my family, we got to get to heaven together. And so then when he turned around and preached about a place called hell, I mean, I'm talking, um, and, and, and the thing was, it wasn't like our youth camps back in the eighties the and nineties where, where the preacher would, they'd play scream, you know, horse screams and, and all the kids would, would sprint to the altar. And, you know, it wasn't like that kind of message. It, it was like, a you know, oh my goodness, like we've not even really thought about hell for, for decades. And, you know, as much as we want to go to heaven, the last thing that I want to happen is allow my family to go to hell. You know, it was just yeah. like, it was like the, the realization of just, the, you know, his passion of, listen, we, we've got a job to do. We got to get everybody to heaven. You know, that was, yeah. and it, it was just such a passion and, and the Holy Ghost was so heavy. That yeah, I mean we're we were we were a we were a basket case the whole yeah, the whole it, message. It was pretty much from that point like it was alter and and it's still uh, I I think one one group of people that it has really shook was was people that had been playing church yeah and that have been in churches that doesn't embrace full truth and they hadn't felt that in a long time. And we've we've had family move to this church because of that message from out of state. From out of state, yeah, other parts that, of the country. They this one family in particular, I'm thinking of. They actually worked in a non-denom church. Yep. Were high up on staff, high up on the music staff. And when they seen that clip, they're like, they were they were tired of playing games. 
this is serious. This, this is, we, we are ready to be serious and to get our, our family in, in the church. And, uh, I mean, it's been, um, re posted by actors. Absolutely blown my mind. Yeah, and movie stars, movie just, stars yeah, that crazy. one movie star, uh, reposted it. And I mean, then there's other movie stars that are on there commenting. I mean, pretty much about everybody with a blue check mark on there. And they're saying, you know, um, this is real, you know, like I would go through and, and read all the comments and, um, it was nothing even negative, you know, it just, it totally blew my mind how it, how it, um, affected, affected people. And, and still we're, we're getting messages and we're getting, getting calls. So we're, um, yeah, I mean, with, with, the with the culture, the cancel culture that we live in today, yeah, it's so refreshing to see the people, how they re- receive that and how receptive they are to it. You know, how long ago was yeah. that preached? I mean, it's, I believe it was uh, November of 2019 because I remember I, because I've had to refer back and send the full sermon to several people. Yeah. Chase probably didn't post it until, until it might have been a little bit later. He posted yeah, it, or think, when it got traction, let's put that. I think it, it, it got traction about in, Jan- in the following month in that January. Yeah, I saw and someone repost it today where they reposted a year ago today. Wow. wow. Yeah, so, like, so that's what I'm saying. You know, so many things is, you know, just not acceptable in, in, the, in the day and age that we're living in, especially by these, these movie stars where, uh, you know, there's, there is no God allowed in anything. Mm-hmm. But to see this be so accepted, tells me that yeah. there's such a hunger in the world that we're, we we as not just apostolics but Christians as a whole we're just missing and mm-hmm. if, if something like that gets so much traction on something that yeah. like you said that is you've 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 already heard the heaven message we've we we all hear that heaven message we yeah, all get to right. see the smiling pastor we all get to see the the happy uh god's gonna bless you receive your blessing right now raise your right, hands god's right. about to your cup's about to run. You know, we we understand all that. But to have somebody preach about, you know, hell with such with such passion, man, I'm telling you, it's it's something that our world needs to hear. And I'm so glad that yeah. it's still relevant and during cancel culture. I'm so sick and tired yeah. of hearing about That's cancel so culture. <laughs> so oh, the most, yes. the most, most famous sermon ever preached in North America was a sermon on hell. Yep. Uh, Jonathan Edwards centers yeah, hands of right. an angry God. Hands of an angry, angry God. God. Amen. Yeah. Yep. yep. I mean, we yep. studied we studied that sermon in my public school English class. Yes, sir. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, Same, here. too. Same here. Same here. Same wow. here. But who guys, knows what curriculum will look like? <laughs> you know, 10, yeah. 15 years from now. <laughs> exactly. You know that talk about cancel culture. That'll be it. Yeah. That will be yeah. it. Guys, thank you all so much for being a part of the Crucial Conversation podcast today. You all have genuinely blessed Brian and I, and I know for a fact, I know for a fact that you will be uh, blessing people when this comes out. Guys, please, whatever you do, keep doing what you're doing. Y'all are absolute mm-hmm. rock stars. Uh, I made a I made a Facebook post while we were talking about you know who we were interviewing, and you know. I didn't know y'all knew Dennis Gates. Y'all know y'all know him? 
Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. Dennis Gates plays music at our church quite often. And oh, cool. that's oh, okay. that that's that's the guy that wears me out. And that's the guy that drags me to camp meetings and drags me to, I love it. Uh, I love him. And, you know, men's conferences and says, Hey, play with music with us and you know, he's constantly in the in the one way mic saying, Hey, you're earning your paycheck this week and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but thank you all so much for coming on. I know y'all are both very busy talking about having your meetings all day and your dad constantly <laughs> calling these meetings, but we don't take it uh, lightly that you guys would come on our on our show and share your heartbeat with others. Um, you know, this has been such a, a good conversation and we can't thank you guys enough. Well, we appreciate the opportunity of uh, just being a, a part of your, your podcast and excited about Again, what God is doing through you all to get this news out and just uh, so many topics that are that are relevant in the Apostolic Church. Thank you all for the invitation. Yes, yes. Very thankful. Brian, are you gonna are you gonna take it out or am I? Because you got on to me last night for taking it out. I'll let you have it uninterrupted. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thanks for listening to the Crucial Conversation podcast. 